teach them. Because, uh, man, they, uh, somebody taught them to not to hold back. Man, they turn loose and, and go ahead and sing. I, I like that, fellas. That was very, very good, and I appreciate it. Um, the song they just sang, If We Want America Back, uh, it, it's got to start with us. You know, the, the truth is, is that the, the problem is, is in the churches, it's in, and it stemmed from the homes of Christians. And so to have America back, we've got to start at home, and we've got to start in the homes of the Christians. Now, tonight, I'm going to preach a, what I call a preventative message, uh, and I'm saying that because I, you know, I don't want somebody out here thinking, okay, you know, what's even so, what's, what's happening, what's been said, what, yeah, this, it's not it. It's a preventative message, and it comes from years of counseling, years of dealing with groups of people everywhere. And, uh, and, and it's not going to be a real, real easy message, but I'm, I'm just, we're going to uh, just address it and, and deal with it. But as we remember those who have gone on before us, those who have especially died in battle, those police, fire department, those servants of our nation who have lost their lives, those who have suffered at the hands of others and paid the greatest price. And that was on my mind, of course, it's Memorial Day, and this is been on my mind that, that that's what it's about. And of course, it's not just a Memorial Day. I mean, it was instituted basically because of, of military death, but, but uh, Memorial Day is a, is a day to remember those that went on before us in many ways. And some of them uh, never served in the military, but they've, they've served, as I said again, uh, police officers, another police officer that, that died today, but along with that, seven other people. Uh, I, I forget, I think it might have been in Texas, I'm not uh, sure where it was, but, but you know, these people need to be remembered, but then there's, there's Christians that, that throughout history they've lost their lives just standing for the cause of Christ, and they're still losing their lives standing for the cause of Christ, and so there's a lot of suffered at the hands of others and paid the greatest price. As I was thinking about that, strangely enough, I'm going to read to you now, and you can turn to it, but the passage of Scripture God taught me, brought me to as I thought about this Memorial Day. If you go to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, I want to look at verse 26 is where we're going to begin, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. While you're turning there, I, I'm going to go ahead and have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bless. Lord Jesus, as I always do, Lord, I... I I start a few words into a message, and, and, and Father, once again, I'm just reminded of how much I need you. Spirit of God, I, I yield myself to thee, and I, I need your presence, I need your power, I need your guidance. Lord, just moments ago on the platform, as the young men sang, it just it overwhelmed me once again that, that what I'm about to preach will do nobody any good. The truth is, if it just comes through a voice of flesh, then... Nobody will be helped, but dear God, I pray that something will be said that will, that will make a difference in somebody's home, in somebody's life, in someone's family. And dear God, if we'd make a difference in, in homes and, and lives and families, then we could make a difference in the church. If we make a difference in the church, we could make a difference in the nation. So Spirit of God, I yield myself to Thee and ask You for Your fresh anointing and ask You to wrap Your arms around this place. And You... you, you 
put up a mighty shield of a hedge of protection to us and you'd turn back every enemy that would might try to steal away the words. Please guide us now. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 says this, And be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. What a challenge to forgive those. God makes a challenge to forgive those who have taken the life of another. You see, this way God led me as I was thinking about those who have, have died, given up their life, and, you know, and then it's suddenly in my mind, uh, there are those, when they gave up their life, somebody, forgive me, took their life. And it's so easy to start to then to have that vengeance, that anger, that bitterness, that animosity uh, toward people that maybe took or inflicted pain or took somebody's life and, and even maybe to start to point that toward God, that God uh, allowed this to happen. But what a challenge to forgive those who have taken the life of another. But honestly, most of us in this room tonight that's not what God is asking us to do. We, we really, I, I know my dad uh, here lost a brother in World War II, and that means that, that somewhere in, in a German city, uh, a German soldier took his life. And, and I don't know what went through the heart and mind of my grandparents uh, as, they, as they received that news. And I really don't know what, what the heart and mind of my dad as he received that news. And, and I don't know how they felt toward uh, uh, the, the German people as a whole after that. But, but other than my dad and maybe a few others here, maybe one or two others in here, most of us have not really faced that kind of loss. What we are asked to do is found, though, in, in Colossians chapter 3. I want you to go to Colossians chapter 3 now. I believe this passage more directly applies to us. Now, I'm going to use both of these passages to teach the, the lesson that I'm going to try to get across here tonight. But Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 12. It says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God... Holy and beloved, what are we putting on? Bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man, look at this, if any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. You know, the first passage, it could be any type of uh, of, of conflict that we have, even to the, like I said, it could be even involving the, the death of someone. But here he specifically says simply a quarrel. A quarrel. And God says, 
forgive them. Now, we're not talking about they took somebody's life. We're not talking about that they, they, they beat someone. We're not talking about they attacked someone. We're not talking about that someone was murdered or someone was robbed or someone was beaten. We're talking about a quarrel. It's understandable that the world will hold grudges. It's understandable that the world will struggle to forgive or refuse to forgive. It's understandable. That's what the world does. They, they don't, watch this, when we talk about the world, we're talking about the loss. They don't have the Spirit of God. And so it's understandable that they do that. It's understandable that the world will desire vengeance. It's understandable that the world will use corrupt communication towards someone they do not like. It's, it's even understandable that they may say, I love them, but I do not like them. But for a Christian, this simply doesn't make sense. I'll be very quiet tonight. God bless you. To the Christian, God says, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth toward another. And understand this is for, for any reason. He says, God doesn't, doesn't say, you know, don't, no corrupt communication if they've done this or this. He just says, let no communica- uh, com- uh, corrupt communication come out of your mouth. You know what that means? That means don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, even if you think it's justifiable. Because God says it's never justifiable because he says, let no. Let's take it a step further. If we are to forgive those who hurt us in the world, how much more should we love and be kind and forgive those who we love? Our family, our church family, our extended family, our words toward our enemy should be for edifying and seasoned with grace. This is what God teaches. Our words toward our enemies should be edifying and seasoned with grace. How much more should they be toward those we claim to love, those we claim and call family? True forgiveness results in a changed attitude toward another. Listen to me, if you say, I've forgiven somebody, but your attitude toward them has not changed, you've not forgiven them. Remember how God describes true forgiveness. Here's how he describes it. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another. You know what he said? If you really forgive, and he's saying, you will be kind. He said, watch this now, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Truth forgiveness changes how we treat somebody else. If we truly forgive them, then it'll change how we treat them. Now, folks, look at me. Look at me. This is not somebody preaching to you that's never faced this. Do you understand? I have, I've had people that hurt me have hurt somebody in my family I've had them hurt us deeply and can I tell you I've been where I said I forgive them and look they were people that I called a friend they were people that I called close to me but they hurt us now listen to me and I said I forgive them but watch this my attitude had not changed toward them but there was a day where my attitude changed toward them And when it did, that's when I realized 
what true forgiveness really was. True forgiveness changes how we react to another person. You see, if we don't have true forgiveness, it doesn't take but just one little word. It just takes a look. It just takes an action. It just takes any kind of little thing. And watch this, man. We're gone. Hey, look, I forgive you, but what you just said, it's on, buddy. That's not forgiveness. True forgiveness changes how we respond to another. True forgiveness changes, listen to this, changes our heart of bitterness and anger to a heart of peace and joy. I had to realize with someone that, that I struggled with and, and I thought I had forgiven. And, I, and I, it wasn't until uh, one day when I actually sat down with them at a meal with them and enjoyed the meal. Enjoyed the conversation, enjoyed the time together, that I started to realize it's finally cleansed. It really is forgiven now. True forgiveness changes our scowl to a smile. You know, you say, I forgive them. I don't think you've forgiven them. I, I talked to somebody just the other day, and he said, man, he said, you know, I, I, I know I've forgiven them, but, but he said, Brother Hooker, but truthfully, every time I hear their name, it just goes all over me. I looked at him, and I said, uh, can I just be real upfront with you? You have not forgiven them. Because when you hear their name, when you go, I've forgiven. No, that's not forgiveness. True forgiveness changes tension to relaxation. You got anybody that every time they come around, you tense up? Now, I know my imposing figure, I cause that, but, but I, just my presence probably makes you tense up. But uh, if there's anyone in your life that to be around them takes your smile away, takes your joy, brings tension to your face and terseness to your words. Now think about it. Let's just, let's just pause for a moment. You know anybody like that? Come on now, this is between you and God. You're going to be honest about this? Is there anybody anywhere like that. I want you to understand those verses that we read, they don't, they don't, uh, God doesn't say, now, it, you know, you need to forgive them unless they did this. He doesn't do that. If there's anybody that takes your smile, takes your joy, brings tension to your face and terseness to your words, that person is not forgiven. God says, in verse 20, he says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Put on, he says, he said, you know who you are? You're a child of God. Anybody here a child of God? He says, you're a child of God. He says, now put on, now watch this, he's saying, I'm not talking to the world. He's saying, I'm talking to children of God. He's talking to the church. He says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God. He said, those 
or that you're my children, he said, holy and beloved. See, you know, look, we have the righteousness of Christ when we trust Christ, amen? And he said, you're a holy and beloved. You're beloved like a child of God. Hey, as Christians, the elect of God, we have been made righteous and holy through the righteousness of Christ. We are loved by God as one of his children. We then should put on bowels of mercies. You know what that really means? Compassion that originates deep from within us. Not a superficial attitude, but a real spirit from the depth of our being. God says, put that on. He said, you know what he says? He says, make it real. Get real about it. We should put on kindness. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, be real. From, from down deep inside you, really be kind. Not that superficial kind. Not that sugary smile kind. Not that... I love you, brother. God bless you, man. If we were anywhere else, I'd kill you. But, you know, when you shake their hand and smile at them, you walk away, and as soon as you can, you say, that jerk. I can't even believe that he'd walk up to me and want to shake my hand. But I was a good Christian. I smiled and shook his hand. Amen? Don't look at me like I'm the only one that acts this way. (laughs) We should put on kindness. He said from the depth of our soul, we should put on humility. Now, that's going to be something we got to deal with here in a little bit, and I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. He said we should put on meekness and long-suffering. You know what that means, really? God's saying when he gets to long-suffering, he's saying when you forgive them, he said you're going to have to be ready to forgive them again. And if you have a quarrel, you know, he used that word quarrel. That word really in reality means that you honestly feel they are to blame for the conflict. When you study this word out, quarrel, you know what that is? Yes, it's a conflict that it, it, it came in, into your life, but here's the, here's the way we do it. We look at it and say, but it's their fault. Okay, now anybody that's married, you know what this means. <laughs> Fellas, come on now, help me out. It's always your fault. But, to, but that's what it is. It's a quarrel. It's a conflict. But, it's a, but God's saying, here's how your attitude in that conflict, your attitude is, hey, it's not my fault. It's their fault. God says, forgive them. Just as Christ has forgiven you, and we are definitely the one to blame when it comes to a conflict between us and Christ. But God says, forgive them as Christ forgave. So watch you say, well, but I don't have to forgive because it's their fault. They should ask me for forgiveness. Well, well, then why didn't Christ look at us and say, hey, you need to. Come on. Come on. Amen. 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 Listen to me tonight. This is a preventative sermon. But we as Christians must stop the blame. Stop blaming somebody else. And watch this. Stop blaming somebody else for our rotten attitude. 
Stop blaming somebody else for the words they were saying, the way we're treating people. Because it's, you know, it's their fault. They did this to me. God says it doesn't matter what they do, we're not supposed to treat them that way. And he gives us specifically how to treat them. And he says, watch this, from really inside of you, not this facade treatment. Stop the blame. Stop the attack. Stop the words. Stop the actions. Shut up! I tried to make it as clear as possible. <laughs> he never says it's okay to criticize people and condemn people and attack people. God never one time says it's okay. He doesn't say that. But we justify it. They did this to me. And somehow that makes it okay for me to be wicked. It is horrible to have conflict with a stranger or an acquaintance. And God addresses that. I believe the scripture that we first read, I believe he's talking about you know, to any kind of stranger or acquaintance. But, but when he gets down to this thing of quarrel, I think he's really punching at us in marriages, in families, with children, with extended family, with in-laws. Hey, Anna. I love you. Do you see that sugary smile here? Now, it's horrible to have conflict with a stranger or an acquaintance, but it's so much more destructive to have a conflict with a friend or with family. Folks, when, when is that ever right? Relationships, and I've, I've tried to say this over and over here, but relationships are more important than our pride. Relationships are more important to get our way. Relationships are more important than being right. It does not matter who is at fault. A Christian seeks to resolve conflict by the process described in the Word of God. It is amazing how God lays out all these formulas, so to speak. He just lays them out, and he gives us the pattern. He gives us the method to, to overcome these things, and we, we just keep excusing us and keep acting the way we want to act because we want to act that way, because we want to get it off our chest, because we, we, we just feel better because we unload it. Now, do you really feel better long-term if you unload on somebody? Especially somebody you love. Do you really feel better when you're at conflict with somebody you love? I'm sorry, but I, what, is, what is so valuable and so important that it's worth that? It's never worth that. It's never worth that. Scripturally, you don't hold grudges. Watch this now. God says, here's how God prevents grudges. He says, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Did everybody hear this? This is how you keep from grudges. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Anybody, anybody here hear me? You know what a grudge is? A grudge is when you went to bed with that anger in your heart 
that hatred in your heart, that bitterness in your heart, and you got up the next morning and it was still there. You probably didn't sleep real good, but you got up the next morning and it's still there. And you know what you're going to do now? You're going to carry it the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And all it does is it grows to be an incredible monster and you end up not speaking to somebody you love. You end up avoiding somebody you love. You end up not even wanting to be around somebody you let Listen, because you did not just obey the simple truth. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You say, well, how do I let not the sun? Then make it right before you go to bed. You say, well, man, they're in another state. Then call them. Just make it right. And watch this. It's real simple. Everybody, watch this now. I think you're going to be able to do it. Say, I'm sorry. Come on now, some of you can do it. On the count of three, you say, I'm sorry. One, two, three. I'm sorry. You don't really mean that. You say, and here, here watch this now. I shouldn't have to say I'm sorry. It was, remember, it was whose fault? It was their fault. I told you I was going to get to this thing where God throws in the middle of it humility, humbleness of mind. You know what humbleness of mind says? I'm probably wrong even if I don't think I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong even when I think somebody else is wrong. And watch this. I'm wrong to have conflict whether I'm right or not. You understand what I'm saying? You, you may think so much you're right about, ex- I mean, I, I was right about this. They were wrong. They were the one that caused this. No, you allowed it to happen. You say, I'm sorry, because you don't want conflict. I'm sorry that there's conflict. You say, but if I say I'm sorry, they'll think that I was wrong. No, they might think you're a Christian. Have I made anybody mad yet? I'm sorry. (laughs) Number two, here's the pattern that God gives, and this is the formula he gives. Control your tongue. Hello? Quit saying, this is in the scripture we just read. I don't know if you, you noticed that, but it's in the scripture we just read. Control your tongue. Speak to build people rather than speaking to destroy people. The scripture says in verse 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Put away evil speaking. Put away slander and distraction and speech which is injurious. See, that's what corrupt communication is. It's slander and distraction and speech which is injurious to another's good name. Look, when we speak negative things and when we criticize others and when we attack others and when we make fun of others and when we condemn others, we are using corrupt communication. And God says we're not to use corrupt communication. He said the communication you're supposed to use, if you use communication, use communication that edifies. He said our communication ought to minister grace to the hearers. 
Let me tell you, there's two ways to win an argument. Two ways. One, to give truth. And that will sometimes win an argument. But there's another way that wins more arguments. You know what that is? Get louder. That's why I threw in here clamor. You know what clamor is? Raising your voice. God said, put that away. Because that's the way most arguments are won. Now, there's really no winner, but that's the way it is. If you don't have the truth, attack the person. If you don't have the truth, talk louder than the other person. Talk faster than the other person. Hello? We're not helping anybody. And we're con- we're, we are conflicting with God now because he said not to do that. And anybody believe that the Bible's the word of God? And it's not something to read and say, you know, that's a nice thing to consider. I take it that it's absolutes. When God says, do this, when he says, put on, guess what? We're supposed to put on. When you have your children, you get them up and, and you say, okay, we're going to church. Put on your clothes. You know what you expect them to do? Put on the clothes. Now, they may have them on backwards, but we expect them to put on the clothes. God says, put on this stuff. If you can't say something good, say nothing at all. Or the southern version, if you can't say something good, shut up. Okay, and anybody here that I've offended by saying the word shut up, I'm sorry. (laughs) Number four, be kind. This This is God's formula. He said be kind. And genuine of heart toward others. Well, this is what Christ has done for you. Be kind. Genuinely kind. Again, you know, this facade kind, this sugary kind, it's like the cheerleaders. You know, when I was back in Memphis State, the cheerleaders, it's amazing. They look so sweet and big smiles, and they all went out in front of everybody, and they went, and then they turn away from you and say, They were some of the most mean, evil people you've ever seen in your life. And that's the way we are as Christians sometimes. Oh, we'll be sweet, sweet, and smile to those people, and then we walk away, and in the car going home, we butcher them. Well, I don't mean this bad, but. I'm just worried now that it's it's all going to be about the preacher on the way home. (laughs) And then he says, do away with your pride. Forbear and forgive. Why is pride or humility brought in this picture? Because man has such a tendency to justify his actions by saying it's not my fault. That's nothing but pride. You understand any conflict, it took two people to have it. 
We always say, it's not my fault. They said it. They caused it. They did it as though we have no error or responsibility. But what if Christ treated us this way? He would have the right because it's always our fault when we're in conflict with him. Legitimately. How arrogant it is for us, a piece of dirt. You love this one, Joe Beth. How arrogant it is for us, a piece of dirt, to blame another piece of dirt for being dirt. They're just dirt. They're just wrong. It's all, they always, they do this. They, guess what? We're nothing but dirt either. And I really doubt we've done everything right all the time. Very few people do that. <laughs> this is nothing but blatant pride. And God says we are to come in humbleness of mind. If we are to be Christians, it is unacceptable to justify anything other than what God has said and commanded. Listen to me. Did we hear that? If we're truly going to be Christians then we need, then it's absolutely unacceptable to justify anything other than what God has said and commanded. This is a problem with Christianity today. We say we believe the book, we say we believe God, but we believe our version more than we believe God's version. Yeah, God said to do that, but God said for me to be kind, but you don't know what they did to me. God said for me to forgive, but you don't know how they treated me. Oh, and I, I would forgive them for what they did if they did it to me, but they did it to my, my wife. They did it to my daughter. They did it to my son. They did it to my mother. They did it to my father. I, I would be okay, but it was somebody. Listen, God never says it's okay ever. Right. It's a simple command. Be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Do you understand why he's saying tender-hearted? Because it's got to come from in here. That kindness has to come from inside of you. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. You don't really forgive until it comes from inside of you, from the pit of your soul. Verbally, from your mind to your mouth, seeing I forgive really means nothing. God says, from here. To follow God's direction will bring peace and joy. To follow the way man brings, to follow the way of man brings destruction, depression, anger, and heartache. What I preach tonight, whether you can accept it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, I will just tell you, if you want to, to have more joy in your life, more peace in your life, follow God's plan. Forgive people. Humble yourself and quit blaming people. Watch this. Quit looking for who's wrong and who's right. And just say, I'm sorry. I don't want a conflict. Listen to me. 
I, I, I don't have to do this. Oh my goodness. I, I was trying to come from San Antonio, Texas when I got the phone call that my mama was on her way to heaven. And I got the phone call from my brother, and he said, you need to get here as quick as you can. And God miraculously got me here, and a pastor that, that I love drove my family in the motor home here. And my mom was not coherent, but I got to lean over beside her, her bed and whisper to her that it's okay to go ahead and go to heaven, because I told her, I said, I know you're trying to hang on for us but you need to just let go. But I have peace and joy in my heart right now that my mama's in heaven and one day I'll see her again. But can I tell you, if there had been one word of conflict between us, can I tell you what it would have been like For the last 20 years. I'm not sure that I'd even be in the ministry. For the, for the, the pain. The anguish. The way it would have affected my heart. My mind and my attitude. Every time I laid my head on my pillow. Every time that I thought about it. Now listen to me, if you have anybody that you love and there's conflict while they're still living and breathing, you better make that right because that's what God said to do. He said, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You, wrath, you want peace? You want joy in your heart? You want cleansing like you've never known? Then get it taken care of like our God said to do. How do you choose to live? How do you choose to influence and teach those who you have influence over? And understand this, you're teaching somebody all the time. What's your choice? I'm not talking about perfection. But I don't want. Whether you all understand this or not. This is like a big family to us. We've fallen in love with a family called Calvary. And I don't want one second of conflict with anyone. And the moment that I know that I might have hurt anyone, let me just tell you, I'm going to say I'm sorry. Because it's just, that's my God said, don't let this carry on. It's destructive. It's crushing. It will destroy you, your family and your children, and your children's children, unless we turn loose.
Father, I pray that you bless.